Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast, and I have a great question for Robert Glasscock. It is something that I know a lot of you probably have thought about relative to astrology, but we're going to ask the GOAT how to handle this. Robert, twins, when two people are born minutes apart from each other, and yet they are totally different people, how can they have the same chart and be so different? Great question. Gosh, you're taking me way back with this one, Thomas. There Years ago, there was an astrologer in Los Angeles that, uh, of course, we were all friends. And he and his wife had me over one night for dinner. After dinner, he pulled out two charts. And I can't remember, and they were of twins, and I cannot remember what the condition they had. One of them had something like asthma, and the other one didn't. And he said, can you tell which one? I, oh, that's, I, all I remember was it was a mercury aspect in the charts. So I think it had something to do with the lungs and asthma. Anyway, he said, can you tell which one has the asthma and which one doesn't? And I said, yeah, this one. And he looked at his wife and then looked at me and said, that's right. How did you know that? And I said, well, look at the aspects here. This twin has this mercury, let's say, in conjunct Pluto or something. Uh, it, it's more exact or it's closer to his ascendant than the other ones. It was, to me, it was very simple. But and so we had a big discussion about it. And this, I love this question that you just brought up, because, in fact, no two people do have the same chart, even twins that are born. Every four minutes of birth time changes the degree of the ascendant by one degree. So even that. So you've got these subdivisions in astrology that go back to the ancient Arabs, the Arabic parts and so on. So we have uh, each sign can be divided into thirds and you get decanates and each decanate has a sub ruler so that let's say the the first 10 degrees of, of Aries are ruled by Aries. The second 10 degrees of Aries are ruled by the next fire sign around the zodiac, which would be Leo. And the third 10 degrees of Aries would be ruled by the next fire sign around the zodiac, which is Sagittarius. And then each two and a half degrees are subruled by planets. So you can get down to some very fine graining here. So even just looking at the ascendant, you're going to get a different subrulership in all likelihood, every two and a half degrees. So there's that. And then the tightness of the aspects are different. So for example, if you've got one twin is born with 28, 29 degrees Capricorn rising, the next twin is going to be born with Aquarius rising. Completely different. And I mean completely different. So it changes when the, when the sign on the ascendant changes. It changes every house cusp. I happen to use equal houses, and it, it definitely is apparent there. So uh, when you say they're totally different, that's the origin of that, because in fact, the charts are totally different. And to the layman, it's not, well, they're born 10 minutes apart. How much difference can there be? Well, there can be a lot. One person's chart and one person's life can be ruled by Saturn, let's say, with Capricorn rising. And the previous twin may be ruled by uh, Jupiter, which has Sagittarius rising. Totally different. Now, what is interesting is when you get identical twins, because genetically, and they really are the same, and it's, you, know, you read these stories occasionally about, gee, these two twin brothers, 
married two twin girls on the same day and they live a continent apart or they get the same illnesses or they have the same careers and so on. So there can be a lot of similarities like that. But the, the way that you can distinguish them is just kind of what I outlined. This takes me back to our third episode where we talked about rectifying the exact birth time by moving that midheaven back and yes, forth. Yes. How would that come into play as far as reconciling with planets that aren't moving every four minutes? And obviously these twins might have different life events, but if dad passed away, uh, that's a common event, right? Yes. In rectification, what you use is the midheaven because it's the fastest, one of the fastest moving archetypes in, in astrology. And the midheaven is what dictates the ascendant. The midheaven is common to everybody born at a certain longitude. But the ascendant varies according to the latitude. So each one of those points, the ascendant and the midheaven, roughly change one degree every four minutes. So when you're rectifying using the midheaven, you're moving that midheaven, whatever midheaven you derive from the birth time that you've been given, you move it backwards and forwards in the zodiac to see what aspects it makes to birth planets. And you simply count the number of degrees that you have to move the midheaven, and that will be the age at which it aspects that particular planet, which you then read as an event consistent with the planet, the house it's in, and so on. Uh, I just did this yesterday with a client. She had had her chart rectified by another astrologer. I remember this now. And I'm always suspect because you don't know whether the astrologer, the other astrologer was any good or not or knew what they were doing. And in this case, she did uh, because I, I was showing this woman that I was reading for on my screen while we were working how to do this. And when, because I asked her about an event, well, the event happened, but not at the age that this midheaven indicated. So I changed, I had to revise the midheaven and then trying with that new midheaven, I made a different aspect with it to see if it worked. And it did. And then I asked her a second event with that revised midheaven and it worked too. So that's just using the midheaven. And what was your question about the planets just now that you asked in, in relation to this? Well, let's say twins are born 20 minutes apart. Oh, okay. That kind of thing. And I know that they're not born hours apart. Generally, yes. it can happen, obviously. But typically, especially nowadays where surgical intervention is so easy, that they can, if there's a problem, they can go in and get those babies out pretty quickly apart from each other. But what I was wondering is, if in this kind of scenario, if they were born some time apart, would that affect that technique if there was a common anchor like the death of a parent or something like that that, yeah, was, that was common such, to both of them? Such a great point. People, I guess, when they first learn this technique about which I learned from Linda Goodman. She's the one that showed me how to do it. She had learned it from Lloyd Cope, her teacher in New York. Moving the midheaven back and forth is not going to show you every significant event in the life. And basically, the part of this technique is events before the age of 30 are um, what I always look for because they're closer to... Um, closer to being accurate as a rule and you begin to get past age 30 then you have to start giving a little bit of an orb using this technique as much as even six months either side of when it's exact 
So uh, not every, for example, the death of a parent may not show up at all using the midheaven and moving it back and forth. It will show up other ways through transits and so on or solar arcs. Uh, so I, there's a mistake, in, especially when I teach this technique, that they, oh, every single significant event in my life is showing up through this technique. No, it doesn't. Uh, so a death of a parent may show up very clearly in one chart and not so clearly using the midheaven. But uh, that's, I guess, uh, the answer to that question, because the expectation, I guess, especially from somebody new, would be that, well, this midheaven technique is, should show the death of a parent. It may not. It may show up through the uh, solar arc ascendant or some other point in the chart. But the uh, the whole point of using that midheaven is it changes every four minutes of birth time. So it's a very time-specific point in the chart. So is the ascendant. And then comes the moon, for example, the fastest moving archetype that we use. Uh, the moon goes through one sign in two and a half days about. So so using the midheaven that way, after I had named two events, using that revised midheaven yesterday, I said, that's it. Your astrologer was right. You were born at, uh, I think it was five, you were born at 523. She had given me, I think, 515 initially. But so the minute I arrived at the same ascendant that her, uh, this other astrologer had, I told her, I said, your astrologer is right. I'm glad to hear it. I'd like you to drill down on the midheaven. You were saying a minute ago that it was common to everybody at the certain at a certain longitude, and then the ascendant. Would you drill down on that for us? Yeah, in other, I have to go back to the old days before computers, where you had to carry a briefcase full of books around with you. Time changes in the United States, time changes in the world, in the world, longitudinal latitudes in the United, you know, and so on. What the old astrologers did was to calculate the middle of the sky. That's what medium keely means in Latin, medium C-O-E-L-I. Um, a lot of people say medium sealy, but Latin has a hard C, so it's medium keely. The middle of the sky, which is the point directly overhead when you're born. Well, that point in the zodiac is common to everybody born along that latitude. I mean, that longitude no matter where on earth. And then you go to the uh, latitudes and longitudes of the United States, let's say, which is another book you had to carry around with you. And then latitudes and longitudes in the world. Uh, so, and you look up that, that midheaven on that longitude, and then you extract from that book, that, that table, uh, the ascendant at each different latitude, north or south and so on. And that will be different. And then what the old astrologers did was divide the difference between the midheaven and the ascendant into thirds to get the houses. Uh, and, and most of the old astrologers, that are especially the ones we're familiar with, Placidus or Placidus. Placidus was a monk. Regimontanus was a monk, a Catholic monk. Campanus was a monk, and so on. These were all, in those days, uh, monks and, and, and Catholic officials were often among the only literate people. Even kings and queens were not necessarily literate, so much less scientific. So you've got these, uh, these early monks trying to come up with a system, in their minds, I think, and, and today, in many astrologers' minds, they think astrology is like clockwork, and human beings are like mechanical clocks. We're not. 
but they think that, that if we can get the perfect system for dividing the heavens, we're going to be able to predict everything that happens to a person. And that was the goal. And in those days where lives were shorter and much more restricted and you had much, much fewer options in life, I think probably lives were a little more predictable than they are today. Certainly, they were, they were less complex than the way we live today. So that, that was the attempt. And they kept trying different house systems and so on. Ultimately, I, just, I came to realize that philosophically, for me, um, I use equal houses. Uh, again, Linda Goodman also used equal houses. She was, I'd been using Placidus or Placidus like everybody else in those days starting out. And when I started using equal houses, which she had shown me, it was the reason I have used nothing else since is because of physical facts. When it, the, the equal distribution of the houses makes sense to me. For example, if you go far, far north latitudes and far, far south latitudes, you wind up in, say, uh, well, in Placidus or Placidus with intercepted signs. One whole sign may be contained in one house, and that, that offsets the natural order of the signs around the, the 12 houses and so on. And I started thinking, well, money is money, no matter whether you're an Eskimo and using whale blubber for money, or you're a South Sea, let's say you live in New Zealand, uh, where you might use seashells for money. It doesn't matter. It's still money. Everybody has these same basic archetypes in their lives, no matter what the superficial thing looks like. So everybody has income, if you will, whether it's seashells or stock dividends or cash, it still is second house. Everybody has that. So there's no difference between money for an Eskimo and money for South Sea Islander or money for somebody who lives in Fort Wayne. It's, it's still second house. So archetypally, I began to realize this interception and unequal houses, not for me. And then the second thing that really convinced me very early on about equal houses was just physical facts. I mean, you've heard me mention I have a hairline scar. It's invisible on my left cheek under my eye from an accident at age five. And in Placidus, let's say, uh, my moon in Aries which indicates that scar, uh, fell in the second house. It was intercepted. And well, in a man's chart, that house rules the right side of the body. Well, this hairline scar that I have is on the left side. And in equal houses, it's in the third house, which is exactly right. That's the left side of the body in a man's chart. And I went, oh, all right, this is a physical fact. You can't argue with this. And then when I begin to work with clients using it, uh, one of the first clients I tried it on, I think I've maybe mentioned to you, um, was uh, a neuro, neurosurgeon's wife. And I asked her pretty much starting off, it's, let me just ask you a couple of questions to see if this time of birth is accurate. Your first child was a girl? And she said, that's right. And then I'm looking at her, the first child on a woman's chart, Thomas, is ruled by the fourth house, as you probably know, and second child is ruled by the sixth house and so on. Uh, so I get to the second child and I said, this one is very confusing to me. Did you? I was really hesitant because I was young and fairly new at this. And she was a neurosurgeon's wife and I wanted to be right. And I said, did 
Did you did you have twins and lose one at birth on the second child? She gasped. She said, I can't believe you could see that. I wouldn't have even known that, Bob, if I hadn't had a hysterectomy last year in which they removed an undeveloped mass of teeth and hair from my second pregnancy. Well, inwardly, I was jumping up and down. Outwardly, I'm trying to keep a straight face. But it was those kinds of physical facts that um, convinced me to go with equal houses. All right. Let's take this one step further. I just want to press a point here of two charts that are similar. So let's say, you know how sometimes like one baby will come out right after the other, maybe five, six minutes in yeah. difference. And in that case, you might actually have a nurse looking at the clock. So let's say that there's not an ascendant change. Now they will have different degrees of ascendant, obviously, mm-hmm. but same sign ascendant, same sign midheaven, same planetary positions, nothing changed houses or signs in between their four minutes of birth. And yet they are as different as day and night. How would you look at that? That comes from these duads, D-U-A-D-S, these two and a half degree divisions of every sign. So that for, let's say again, one twin is born with uh, two degrees Aries rising and the next twin is born five minutes later with uh, three degrees Aries. It's a completely different duad. The first twin will be ruled by Aries, and the duad of Aries will also be Aries. The second twin will still have Aries rising, but that twin will have a subrulership of Taurus because the second decanate of it. So look at the difference. One twin has double Mars, double Aries ruling his or her life at the ascendant because the ascendant is really the kind of front door to your life or uh, a sort of thumbnail sketch of your life, the rulership. It's called in the old days, certainly it was called your chart ruler, the planet that rules the, so the second twin will be ruled by Aries because he has Aries rising, except it will be the Taurus duad of Aries ruled by Venus, a completely different archetype than the double Mars archetype by the first twin. So they will turn out to be uh, very, very much. If they're identical twins, they will still have those differences. Uh, They look alike and many things in their lives will be alike. But in fact, one of them is ruled by double Mars and the other one is ruled by a combination of Mars, Aries rising and the Taurus duad, the Venus duad of Aries. Totally different. And if they're fraternal twins, you'll see the difference physically. And you can look at things like the sign that Mars is in to get the coloration of the person's hair, for example, or their looks and appearances. The second will be subruled by Venus, perhaps in a completely different sign, you see, than, than Mars. So that's how you can distinguish the difference between a starting place for the difference between twins. And if they're really born, depending on where the moon is, for example, if the moon in one case is at 2930 degrees or 2959 of one sign, the next twin will have the the moon and it may be a completely different sign. And that really makes a difference. Yeah. Then it gets radical. Wow. That's amazing. All right, folks, there you go. Now, you know, it's the Dwads. <laughs> it's the Dwads and the aliens. <laughs> wow. Thank you for that explanation. That is great. 
Well, you see why a reading with this guy would be worth your time. Are you still booking in 2023? That's the question I want to know. I'm not <laughs> booking in 2023. <laughs> not yet. All right. Okay. All right. I'm about six weeks ahead. It's All right. Okay. Well, then there's hope. Good. Our glasscock for the number four site.com. And that's also in the show notes. You could sit down and have a reading with this guy and have him go through your chart to that degree. Robert, thank you for this. Really appreciate it. I know it's a question that comes up a lot, so I'm glad to get that level of answer. Well, thank you, Thomas, as always, man. A great question. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul. Thank you so much for listening from Robert and me. We appreciate it. See you next time. <music>